Greetings and welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. My name is Mike Householder, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Langfall. Hello. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am really good, and I'm excited for this conversation today. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because I like talking about all things theological and faith in God and daily life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what this podcast is all about, right? <laughs> yeah. So glad you like it. I'm glad I like it, too. So the, if you're new to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast, we're here to talk about faith, uh, life, and the intersections uh, where Christ and culture hang out. And to help us do that today, we are joined by two distinguished professors <laughs> yes. and uh, brilliant scholars. We're t- it's saying, uh, you know, what happens when brilliant scholars hang out in this uh, daily life kind of challenge that we're in right now with COVID-19. So would you introduce our guests, please? Yes. Well, we have two doctors with us. Dr. Terry here on uh, the right side of the screen is with a seminary and Dr. Russ Lackey uh, with Grandview University here in Des Moines. That's it. Uh, Terry and Russ, welcome. We're glad that you're both here. Great to be be here. here. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. So I know you both pretty well. Um, uh, little known fact, maybe for some people, Terry and I actually went to college together. Oh. Uh, we were in the same class, many of the same classes together, because I think yeah. we had the same major uh, back in the day. Concordia College, go Cobbers, uh, in Moorhead, Minnesota. <laughs> that was our name. Okay. That's kind yeah, of what people say. Let's <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, let's just keep moving. Should we? The Should we just move right on? <laughs> and uh, Russ, you are the senior campus minister at Grandview University. Uh, and you teach there as well. Uh, let me ask you guys this. How does one become a, a professor, in a, a religion professor in college or in seminary? What, mm-hmm. and, and why? What, what leads you to that? What inspired? What's your story? Russ, let's start with you. Yeah, for me, I, I didn't set out to work on a college campus. I was a pastor. I was ordained. I worked in Southern California. And then an opportunity to serve the campus at Grandview as their campus pastor occurred. And I, I came on, I was here, I wanted to be with the students. And then some students asked if I'd teach a class and the religion department said, hey, will you let them teach a class? And I did. It was on Revelation because I love it and I've done some work on it, of course. And from there, teaching more and more classes. And, and so for me, I didn't set out to be a, a professor or even to teach classes I love Jesus. I want other people to love Jesus. I try to be a pastor here on campus and in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So it's just an extension of that call. Yeah, and you just happen to be a brilliant scholar too. Who <laughs> isn't it great when when scholars love Jesus and, yeah. and instead of just want to see it from a different perspective? Uh, Russ, you've written a book. You just got your doctor your doctorate from Duke University, and you've actually written a book on the Book of Revelation, which is going to be fascinating to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, let's put a plug in for that book. What uh, what's it called, and where can we get it? Well, it's Power and Purpose, the Book of Revelation. Today, you can get it on Amazon, and basically, I, the way I describe it is, it's a way to get through the Book of Revelation for the first time. It's kind of like it's a guide taking you down the river that's called Revelation so that later you'd go through and go, man, he was wrong in so many areas. But boy, I understand how Revelation kind of works. So that's that's what you can do with it. Yeah, I, I've read your book. It's great. And I think you're right uh, along the way. So I highly recommend it. Uh, speaking of brilliant writers and scholars, uh, Lu- uh, at Luther Seminary, my um, – seminary and where a lot of us in this church graduated. Terry, you've been teaching there for how long on on the faculty? Yeah, I've been there 15 years now. 
My goodness. And, and specifically, what is it that you focus in on and what do you teach? Yeah, I am a professor of leadership, which when I tell people in the real world, they're like, oh, seminary professor or seminary students have to take leadership. And mm-hmm. yes, they do. It's a great, <laughs> yeah. uh, great place for me to serve. But before that, I served for um, 16 years in a congregation, large congregation, uh, and uh, three years in a synod office, which gave me very different views of church. And what got me to get my doctorate was I just kept asking questions and Uh, no one had answers. And so I kept going. Um, I really struggled with um, back in the 80s and early 90s with having church be relevant and meaningful in the forms that we were we were doing it in those days. And I was in a congregation that was willing to try some things, but that was not the norm. And so as I kept asking more questions, uh, that landed me in school. And it's not what I, I, like, I didn't think of myself as a seminary professor, um, but I love the inquiry of learning. And I, I'm just a lifelong learner. And so it's been a fun place for me to get to, to teach and continue to ask questions. Let's, let's follow that trail back just a little bit, because I know a little bit more of your backstory, too. Your dad uh, was a professor at seminary. He's one of my professors, uh, Dr. Roland Martinson, and brilliant guy. Everybody loved Raleigh, um, just like they do you now, the younger uh, students who are in seminary these days. Uh, but so we both grew up as pastor's kids and yeah. both your dad and my dad, I would say we're on a little bit of the cutting, innovative, creative mm-hmm. edge of the Lutheran mm-hmm. church back in the seventies, um, served churches that pushed the envelope yeah. and tried to find new ways to bring the same message. Don't change the message, but find new ways yeah. to bring that message into the world. So you grew up with that. I grew up with that. And then we get into the church and I'm so glad you asked those questions that led you to become a professor because in the 80s, uh, I graduated from seminary in 1990, uh, yeah. there were no leadership classes in seminary. No. So you've really pioneered that whole uh, yeah. area of, of, uh, of teaching and, and much needed uh, for future pastors. So thank you. Thanks for being a trailblazer, Terry. And thank you, Russ, for um, writing a commentary in the book of Revelation that people could actually understand, yeah. uh, because that is, a, that is a mountain of a book to get through and intimidating. So, uh, so many people tell me, I'm not even going to try to read it, mm-hmm. uh, because it's just, I tried, mm-hmm. I, I started reading mm-hmm. the first few chapters, I didn't get it, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. So thanks for knocking down some walls for people. Uh, and that's, this is just the introduction. Yeah. So we want to talk specifically today, because we're living in this these difficult days uh, of COVID-19, and there's uncertainty and there's isolation and there's stress and there's changes. And with that comes, I think, an opportunity for us to think through some things yeah. spiritually, theologically, uh, and to ask some questions. And so without further ado, yeah. uh, let's dive into our two-minute drill. Two-minute drill. Two-minute drill. Okay, the first question. Is this virus during this season an apocalyptic sign of the end of the world? Russ, we'll start with you. Mr. Sure. Mr. Revelation, yes. Uh-huh. That's right. Whenever these things kind of happen, people are always looking for, whenever there's a crisis, a silver bullet. And if they can mm-hmm. say, hey, is there a way out of it? And if I can find that silver bullet, then I know I can escape this difficult moment. And so during these hard times or when there is a disaster going on or right now this virus, people start looking at the book of Revelation or Daniel and they're saying, hey, how can we try to figure out how this is the end of the world so I can escape it? 
But that's not really the apocalyptic question. That's not the question of revelation. It's not how will the world end? The better question is, who's the Lord of the world? Amen. Who's in charge? And then who is that God calling me to be? And, and so there's just one verse. I'll, I'll be really fast, but I want to share this one verse because it answers that question. In Revelation 1, it says, to him, Jesus, who loves us and freed us from our sins. And that word love is present. He didn't just love us 2,000 years ago. He's loving us now. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one who's in charge. And he's going to get us through it. And he's going to help us get through this difficult time. So that's the question. Not how will the world end. It's who's in charge. It's Jesus. And how can we use that truth to love others? That's just brilliant. I, I remember somebody told me once that if you read the book of Revelation and you uh, end up with any other theme than hope, that mm, Jesus is fun. in charge, as you say, Russ, right. and uh, that this is his world ultimately. And that's such good news because mm-hmm. we're, we're contained by that. We're, we're within that. Uh, it's not like we're here and we have to escape and get over, over here from earth to heaven, but we're, right. we're already in God's grasp. And um, that is the most hopeful message. Now, it helps if we have that connection to Jesus Christ. So Revelation <laughs> yes. also gives us this pretty strong uh, encouragement, let's put it that way, to uh, cling to our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think that's really important. Terry, anything to add to that? Or should we cruise on to the next one? I think we go right to the next one. Yes, because okay. we'll start with you on this. Let's do it. The next one is, what does this COVID-19 season mean then? And why is it happening? I've heard a number of people um, describe it in a couple different ways. Is this an intermission? Is this just a pause? Mm. Is this just a disruption? Are we just going to kind of pivot a little bit? Or is this the beginning of an ice age or something totally new? For me, I think we're in one of the second two. I think there's at least a disruption going on. And I actually don't think that's all that bad to have a disruption. Um, now, in our lives, there's all kinds of things that I would rather not be disrupted. But I think from the church standpoint, man, we have all kinds of resources and ways of thinking about um, life and meaning and of being a people that, yeah. that translate into any time. And so for me, part of it is there's a lot of things in the world that I think need to be disrupted. And this is opening up and exposing mm-hmm. questions and in, uh, injustice and places that are broken in society that I think we as people of faith actually have something to say and maybe even something to do in those moments. So that's what I got. Yeah. D- disruption is such a good way to summarize. I feel like it, it sounds like a negative, but it's could, Mm-mm. it could certainly yeah. be something God uses for a strong positive turning things right side up that need to be turned right side up, does that really happen if we stay comfortable or if we continue to do things the way we've always done them? Uh, I hope we don't go back to the old normal. I hope we find a new normal uh, coming out of this. I think that would be much better. Uh, and anytime the Holy Spirit's there, I think it's disruptive. So I, I'm not yeah. against disruption. That's right. That's right. There, there are things about each one of us. Let's just, let's just start with you, Emily. What needs to change? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there are things. There are things that that need to be disrupted in this world, as you said, Terry. And I think uh, when we think about meaning in this, we can find a lot of it right there. But mm-hmm. let's move on for now, and we'll we'll dive deeper into that later. Yeah, because the next one's really good. 
Uh, it's what would Jesus have us do in these difficult days? So with this disruption. Yeah, let's start with you this time, Russ. Yeah, I mean, well, what's so great about Jesus is everywhere he went, he seemed to disrupt the, the status quo. Mm-hmm. And so he's really good at turning things upside down, whether it's the temple tables or the way we see faith or our neighbor. And so in some ways, where what would Jesus have us do in these difficult days? I would say, first, listen. And, and watch and look and act like and pray and say, Lord, help me see what you want me to see. And then help me then have the kind of courage to mm-hmm. lean into that because Jesus is in the midst of all this. And so he's here. And the big question is kind of where. And, and so what would Jesus have us do? For me, it's pray. It's be connected to have my eyes open and, and kind of see where Jesus is at. I think that's really important. Terry, uh, when you think about that, where where would you start to respond? What would Jesus have us do? For me, it's love God and love my neighbor. Yeah. So I lean further into um, my relationship with God in these moments. And that, I think, allows me to listen and see my neighbor, just like you, you said, Russ. And then to say, where do I, am I called to serve? Where are the least of these? Where are the people that are hurting? Um, and they don't always look like we think they do, right? It's just being open to saying, how can I be an agent of your, of your love in the world? Yeah, yeah there's, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity um, that comes right now. And I, I feel like there are a lot of folks in our church family who are used to having some really obvious things to do. Like, okay, let's, we have hungry people in our community, let's feed them. We have, uh, we have places we can go all around the world uh, let's see what we can do to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, dig clean water wells where they don't have clean water in Africa. Let's start new churches. Let's let's do these things. But in this season, suddenly everything changes, and so I think it starts by asking the right questions, though. And and what both of you just said there, I think, is really important. How can we love God? How can we love our neighbor? Because the way we respond to that in this season might be distinctive from the way we responded to it for the last decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we're going to have to learn how to be church again. We're going to have to learn new ways to continue to do the same good old thing that God calls us to do, which is to be faithful. Yeah. Next question is, what does faithful Christian leadership look like in times of uncertainty? Terry, you've been teaching leadership for a long, long time. Uh, Have at it, sister. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, I got more than two minutes here. No, go, ahead. Fun. Yeah, go ahead. Um, we'll get comfortable. I think Mike, picking up on what you just said, when I go to the, when I go to Acts, when I go to the first uh, expression of the Christian church, they started scattered in the world. They gathered um, along the road as they were telling people about the story of the resurrection. They were um, meeting each other in their quote work di- lives And from that, they began to gather in people's homes and they began to break bread and remember, right? And they told the promises of this resurrected God in their midst. And I think right now for me in these times when we're forced to be scattered is for me to remember that the gathering part of church was an add-on, right? It started with sending people out Um, sending them in the trade routes and sending them to lands they hadn't been to and people they didn't know. And I think that is actually a leadership move that some of us have got really comfortable saying our job as a church leader is to preach and to, you know, lead Sunday school or to do whatever we do in the building. 
and kind of have the world be secondary. So for me, the part of this question is, is to look at um, what is going on in the world and wh- how do we bring this faith? Where do we bring the hope and um, this salvation into the world in, in really tangible ways and with the people where they are? Sounds like asking the right questions is almost as important as finding the right answers on this, isn't it? That we, that we look for. Yeah. Go ahead. That's exactly what I tell students in leadership, that these days your questions are far more important than the answers because the answers might change. Mm. Yeah, if, if we just go for the answer, we may miss out on the question. I'm going to extend this one to Russ because your, your doctorate also includes leadership um, that you got from Duke. And so I'm sure you think about this too. Uh, what is it that you feel like uh, church leaders should be and churches should be looking to do um, in the in the area of leadership, especially in these times of uncertainty? You know, I I often tell students that one of the great um, truths of Christianity is that Christ has set us free, and so we have this moment where we have a freedom to not have to be perfect but we have a freedom to try to risk and, and, and try things out and, and try to be effective in ways and, and take chances, knowing that mm-hmm. if we mess up, well, eternity is taken care of. If there's even, we fall short, well, Jesus cover that. Mm-hmm. So, so why don't we try to just try things at times? And, and mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, we don't want to make a mistake and do something poorly in a moment like this, because it seems like the stakes are really high, but on the other side, it, Every time I read scripture, when people are trying to follow Jesus or follow the way of Jesus, things kind of happen. And maybe not as you planned, but they they happen in ways that are surprising, that you go, oh, that's serendipitous, or the Spirit's working. Wasn't what I imagined, but boy, it worked out even better than I thought. And so that's why I try to really encourage students and even tell myself, Russ, you know, try something. Don't get stuck. Mm -hmm. Try it, and if it's a mistake, well, change it and find a way to go forward. Mm. That's right. Sitting still uh, is is not God glorifying most of the time. <laughs> Doing nothing, get get moving, and and not being afraid to make mistakes. We're living in grace. Right. I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for this last question on the on yeah. the two minute drill. Yeah, last one is: Are you concerned or hopeful regarding the future of the church? Let me let me add this to the question that I want you both to take a stab at, and it's a two-minute drill, but we're going to completely ignore it this time, the clock. <laughs> uh, so when you think, you, I know you both love the church, and I know you love Jesus Christ, and you want the church to be faithful to Jesus Christ, and that really inspires everything that you guys do as as pastors, teachers, leaders for the church, as thinkers, as writers. Uh when you think about the future of the church, uh, I feel like a lot of church leaders that I'm talking to these days are uh, borderline panicked. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point of, my goodness, the sky might really be falling here. Uh, and I don't want to minimize that. I don't want to just say, oh, well, that's a big nothing. But uh, it's, it's certainly something. But ultimately, and you've already spoken to this a little bit, but let's uh let's let's tease it out some more are you hopeful are you are you concerned uh what are you hopeful about what are you concerned about uh terry let's start with you i tell people that i get to see the leaders that god has called 
as they come to Luther, kind of before they're maybe in full ministry or or in they're in a transition in their ministry. And I'm pretty excited about the future of God's church because I see totally different um, students than we did 30 years ago, Mike, when you and I started classes at yep. Luther. Yep. Um, they are different ages. They are from different experiences. There are people that have been converted to faith as an adult. Um, there are people that have walked away from the church and come back and said, have a new excitement about ministry. So one, I think I'm excited about the church because of who God is calling into ministry. I'm also excited about the church uh, is future because you know what? It's God's church. Yeah. And when we get out of the way and we join in what God is already up to, for me when it gets fun. So those two things give me hope. Russ, let me send it over to you and ask you to specifically zoom in on on something I know is near and dear to your heart too, Terry, but Russ, here in the Des Moines area, you have a huge passion for developing new leaders, especially amongst young adults or even high school students, to plant seeds in their hearts and minds that maybe some kind of ministry is a part of God's calling for their future, to expose them to the possibility. Uh, We don't want to force a call on somebody who isn't called, and I know you believe that too, but uh, when you think about the future of the church, we we hear so many things. Churches are closing, and churches are struggling, and uh, that's very real, and that's that's honest. That's an honest uh, and kind of a honest wake up call, I think, for us to say: Are we doing this right? <laughs> are we doing this faithfully? Are we right. are we asking the right questions? Like you guys have talked about, Russ, talk about what you see as signs of hope. Maybe not just in this COVID nineteen season, but sure. before COVID nineteen hit, there were a lot of people who were really concerned about the future <laughs> of the church, especially amongst amongst younger right. generations. Yeah, I, and the reason I'm I'm hopeful is because of kind of what happened just uh, a couple years ago, and 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 Mike, you've done this too, where we both preached in Denmark, and yep. we got to to go to a church that everyone said the Lutheran Church in Denmark's dead, it's stale, it doesn't have any kind of direction, and here we were able to gather and, and listen to these young people who are so alive, the spirits working in them and, and doing amazing things through them. It's a, it's a thriving church. And that's what the spirit does. And just, just yesterday I experienced it. I was on a zoom meeting with my confirmation students and we were doing confirmation. And, and at the end I asked if one of the students would pray as a young guy and he said, I'll do it. He prayed and it was a great prayer. And one of the other kids said, wow, have you ever thought of being a pastor? You, you, you nice. pray like a pastor. That was good. And and so what I love about that is just simply the Spirit's working. It's continuing to work even today. Our young people are being equipped by God to do a work that God has already prepared them to accomplish in the future. Mm-hmm. And so am I hopeful? Yes, because God is working and the Spirit is still moving today. That is that Actually, that inspires me on so many levels. You mentioned Denmark at the beginning of that. Uh, Russ, and that we've both been there and we preached there. When I was when I went to Denmark, I I researched, I read up, I realized you know one to two percent of the population calls themselves active Christians, you know who are active in churches and are and are participating in daily church life and aren't just doing it as a holiday tradition on Christmas and maybe confirmation. 
but they're actively engaged. And so I thought I'd, I'd see one thing when I got there. And then when I got there, you see the most fired up young adults, but they're Lutherans. <laughs> so it's yeah. just this fascinating combination of not like over the top emotional, but deeply passionate, right? R- way deep down inside. And it, and so when I got there, I realized, oh, I'm here to learn. You know, I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to tell them how to be the church. I'm just here to say, do what you're doing. Yeah, you know what the Holy Spirit is doing. Just understand that I'm. I'm just here to say, God bless you, and and what can I learn from you and and take back. Right. The second part of what you said there, and Terry, you you spoke to this too, is basically saying as long as God's doing this, as long as the Holy Spirit's on the move. And we believe the Holy Spirit's active and alive in the world today, and we see that. And so I'm actually going to throw that to you, Emily, to, to speak to this just for a minute. You're our youth and family executive minister here. Mm-hmm. You see it. You, you, you can almost see sometimes, like, there's no doubt in my mind God's calling that young person, yeah. that high school student, that junior high student, especially in that age range. You can almost see God starting to shape them because they... They start saying things like, "Oh, maybe I want to be a youth pastor. Maybe I want to, maybe I want to serve. Maybe I want to be the next Emily Lang Paul, and I, I want to lead the whole ministry." Um, what What do you see out there, Emily, right here at Lutheran Church of Hope uh, yeah. that gives you hope? Yeah. Well, not only do we have not just hundreds but thousands of of students here at Hope each week, but we do have students who step up, and some say. I'm ready. I want to consider being in ministry as as my calling. I think that's what God is saying to me. And so we love working with them and and showing them all we can and equipping them and kind of helping them step alongside us for a season. Uh, But I also have students that we see who are just so passionate about being love agents, like Terry talked about a bit ago, Mm -hmm. and who say, I'm not sure. I think I might go to the marketplace but they are so on fire that the adults around have a lot to learn yeah. from that. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, being open to learning from those students and being inspired by them, like we're talking about, and knowing that's the future of the church, that's powerful. Yeah. We've got two big events coming up here in the next several weeks at Hope. One is confirmation mm-hmm. that we move to the end of May instead of the beginning of May, and we'll we'll do it online and in person in kind of a creative balance of those things. And for more on that, I'd shoot you back to the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, or they can call you yeah. at Emily and get all the details. Uh, I'm excited about that because when you look at those confirmation students every mm-hmm. year, uh, it's not just the students who mm-hmm. grew up in this church, but they get excited yeah. and they invite their friends. Mm-hmm. And then their friends come, and every year before confirmation, we have about a dozen baptisms. Yeah. You know, we, we have students who are like, Wow, I believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Who knew that would happen? Mm-hmm. And so what am I supposed to do? It's it's like you're reading it right out of Acts 2. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, okay, well, well what can I do? What, what am I... Well, you, mm-hmm. Repent, be baptized. Let's get on with it. Let's begin your new life. Uh, and when you see that, you realize, ah, uh, yeah, rumors of the demise of the Christian church have been greatly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I know you guys see that too, Russ and Terry. So let's use that as the kind of transition into our deeper dive uh, and bring it back a little more specifically to this season of uncertainty we're in, the difficult days of COVID-19. What are your teachers and you want people, your students to ask the right questions. Uh, as, as church leaders, we all want that, all four of us. What is it 
that we're learning in this season? What What is it that you think, yeah. you know, we, we spoke to, this is a, a season of disruption. Terry, you said that. So what are we supposed to learn from this disruption, do you think? And and let's either you can speak about it generally or if you have a specific example. It's like, well, here's kind of what I mean by this. Uh, e- either of those. Uh, what 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 is it that we're supposed to learn? Terry, let's go to you. I'd love to start. Um, one of the exciting things for me is I think we, the church, have been, have forgotten sometimes our calling. Um, I just finished a book on uh, faith formation in the 21st century, and I say that the calling of the congregation is to steward the future witness of the faith. And I think, quote, many congregations and, quote, the established church kind of forgot that. Yeah. That, like, we just assumed that if we just did VBS and confirmation and worship, it would just happen. And I know this has not always been a problem at Hope, but I also know this is something you've been so intentional about cultivating, is we are all evangelists. Mm. And we are all witnesses. And we don't have to have... Uh, elevator speech, or we don't have to have a really um, neat way of talking about it. We just have to be authentic. We just have to talk about the transformation that's happened in our lives and be willing to engage other people around what that means to us and invite them into serving or worshiping or into scripture with us. And so for me, one of the things about this disruption, this learning is to rediscover for all of us, organizations of local congregations, but also all of us Christians, what does it mean to steward the future witness mm. of this faith that we say yes to? Mm. Yeah, w- when we think about that, uh, stewarding this this faith the, and, and as it pertains to the future, I started to say before, I'm excited about confirmation. I'm also excited about Vacation Bible School. That was the second mm-hmm. one, so I'll finish mm-hmm. that now. And it, I think it I think it aligns with what you just said, Terry. Uh, we, you, you said you don't need the elevator speech. You don't need the. And by that, I, if I'm hearing you right, you mean you, you don't have to have a prepackaged. This is what right. I'm going to say to give testimony to my Christian right. faith to the stranger that I meet in the elevator. Although if you did that now, you'd have to be six feet apart and you know and <laughs> and distance, so you probably wouldn't have as good of an opportunity. But uh, I think when we try to turn it all into a formula. Or a seven-step process, we miss the authenticity that we see at amongst confirmation students this month and amongst the kids who are going to be a part of Vacation Bible School several weeks later. That I'm so excited about here at Hope yeah. in July. Uh, we're going to be doing that online, although kids can come and pick up their kits, and that's going to be quite the experience mm-hmm. uh, here at the church building. But what we see every year at Vacation Bible School, last year, how many students did we have? Do you think all so campuses? 6,000. No, closer to eight or nine. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was, <laughs> it's a lot. Once it gets past 1,000, it's just a lot. It's kind of yeah. a blur. So, so you see all these kids, mass, you know, crowds of kids coming. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see the light bulbs go on. Mm-hmm. And then you hear, what's really fun is you see the kids who've grown up in Vacation Bible School here when they talk about what does their faith mean to them and their confirmation faith mm-hmm. statements, so often they say, well, VBS mm-hmm. was that thing that started to get me going mm-hmm. with God. It, 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 oh, it was the light bulb moment uh, where I suddenly got a new idea. 
that there is a God, this God loves me, and it's really fun to hang out with God and mm-hmm. in the community and the fellowship of believers. Now, they may not articulate it in theological terms, right. but they're living it. Maybe it's even better to experience it than to be able to articulate it and, mm-hmm. uh, and say it. And I think that gets back to better than an elevator speech. We want to live it. We, we want to experience the power of this Holy Spirit who is still calling young people to lead and, and to serve. But it's not just young people, too. It's all generations. Russ, uh, what else would you want to add to this? I, I can see your, I can almost see the wheels in your head spinning knowing you. And so I'm, <laughs> no, sure, I'm sure there are some things. Well, something I've been thinking about is, is how wonderful and re- how resilient the Christians are. I mean, at, at first you think, okay, this is, this is something that's so horrible. We're going to just hide in our homes and do nothing. We're stuck. This is the demise of the church in this moment. But, but that's not what you're seeing. You're seeing people, pastors, who've, who've never used technology at all. Mm-hmm. And they're preaching sermons, and they're actually doing a really fun, great job. You're seeing youth leaders trying to come up with ways to deliver Sunday school materials to to kids. Mm-hmm. You're seeing literally churches at this moment when you think so many would would fold, and they're getting creative. Mm-hmm. And 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 so so we're not there yet. None of us are there yet. There's so many more things we have to learn, but. But what I'm realizing is we have staying power. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to be around. We're going to be around people who don't know the church or haven't, who've asked the question, why does the church matter? Suddenly are realizing, wow, you know, community matters and, and they do community and they gather and, and boy, they care about other people. We need to care about other people. And so, so I see resilience. That's one thing that I'm learning right now is, the church is, is, is a lot more resilient than I honestly thought it was mm. before COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the resilience of the church and the wake-up call for the church, that <laughs> yeah. we can no longer just kind of push away and say, well, I know that I should try to uh, bring the church that I lead into the 21st century, mm-hmm. but it's more comfortable just to leave it back here in 1960 mm-hmm. and, and, right. and do it that way. Now we have no choice. And so, right. li- like you said, Russ, it, it's not just pastors and, and worship services, and you guys both spoke to this too, that church isn't just about gathering, it's about going out. It, it, it's about, wow. it's missional things. It's about what are we doing out there in the, in the world in our day-to-day lives. So I think about that, and I think about all the churches and the pastors who are, well, there is no option anymore. Now we have to be 21st century churches. We have to learn how to do some of this stuff digitally. And something that you said there, Russ, I think is so profoundly true and important. It's not like the message of the Christian church or the Savior that we point the world to is something that is optional for the world. It's, right. not, it's not like we can take or leave this. What we, the, the message that we are um, commissioned to share, the commanded to share, the love that we are uh, commanded to share with the world around us, that's what the world needs. I mean, I, I don't mean to be get all Bible camp sappy, but what the world re- needs now is love, sweet love. Right? Oh, that's that's not Bible camp. That's uh, Burt Bacharach, isn't it? Uh, anyway, the, the world needs love. That's biblical, right? Love is what the world needs above all else. And so what the relevance of the church isn't going to fade away. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to continue to need to bring 
and find new ways to continue to bring the same old message of God's love out to the mm-hmm. world around us. That, as you might be able to tell, actually fires me up so much I can hardly stand it. Terry, say just a little bit more about that, because you started by saying, one of the reasons I became a seminary professor is because I started asking questions that nobody was asking, and that had to drive you crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, I like why. I, I like to know, okay, we're doing this in the Lutheran church. Why are we doing that? And often that comes down to theology, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think not only theology, but our motivation. For me, all and I love the stories that you're talking about, how hope, who has always been agile, is having to continue to be agile, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you don't get to stop, in other words, mm-hmm. right? So why are we doing that? I think what, for me, got, got uh, lost in the way is we quit being agile. We quit looking at how are we packaging that? Is that actually communicating the gospel in a way that is both setting them free, as you said, Russ, but also calling them to share it with their neighbor, to see those in need around them, and to say, it's not what I do on Sunday morning for an hour. It's integrated into every part of who I am, mm-hmm. how I parent, how I respond to my actual physical neighbor, how I am at work, wherever that is. And that's the thing for me that um, I grew up doing youth ministry stuff. And that when my excitement would go was when the light bulb came on for young people and I found that the adults, it wasn't happening. And that's a, that was a problem. Like the same faith is, is relevant, is it makes a difference. So part of that has been my quest is to say, how do we awaken within people of all ages, this faith that God has gifted them and this relationship that actually transforms us and helps us shape the life that we live and the way that we are in the world? Um, that's pretty exciting for me. And that's what this moment has opened up because now the, we're doing church at home, right? We're trying to figure out how to make space for everything. Um, and we're integrating it into, and we're asking new questions. Bringing church into the home is not the worst thing that the church should no. have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's going to be good for the maturity of, of Christians yeah. Yes. Uh, that kids would start to see that as the norm. That mm-hmm. yeah, I go to yeah. a building and we gather together yeah. as the church. Once we get back to hopefully a new normal, not the old normal, but but I uh, yeah. that will become part of the routine again. But also that it isn't weird that we do church at home. Yes. That we right. and I don't just mean tune into a right. worship service, but I mean we. Right. There are resources that churches are continuing to provide. I hope mm-hmm. um, there are uh, you know lessons and Bible studies for for grownups and adults in all ages, and there are tools that people can use. And those we're just talking about resources there, but that's all for the sake of making it a part of our daily life. Right. That we start to realize, oh, church isn't just something I go and do. Church is who I am. Uh, it's 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 a part of me. Uh, let me let me ask one kind of summarizing question, and then we'll get into our mic drop moments. And this is um, admittedly maybe kind of unfair uh, because I'm putting you both on the spot. But let's say two years from now, because I think University of Minnesota projected uh, the scientists okay. there that. It could be another two years before things really completely wash out and, and settle down. And that doesn't <laughs> – you're looking at me like say it's oh, not man. so. I don't mean it'll be like this for two uh-huh. years. I, I'm okay. just saying it's possible it won't go totally back to yes. 
right. you know, normal mm-hmm. uh, for another two years. Let's say they're right. Let's say they're wrong. It doesn't matter. But let's use that. It does matter. I'll take that back. It matters a lot. But let's say two years from now, what do you hope the church looks like? And it's not like you haven't mm-hmm. both, you know, spoken to this. But how would you summarize that and say, here's what the church looks like in two to three years or even five years down the road. Here's, here's my hope and here's what I hope we learn so that we look like this uh, in the not too distant future. Russ, we'll start with you. Sure. I, you know, something I've thought about and my hope is that church will become sort of multi-site. And by that, I don't mean just simply two buildings. I mean, yes, you have church in person, but then you have this sort of digital community that you can carry into your home in different ways so that, so that church is something, and just summarizing what you said, it's something that occurs. There is a place. It's physical. We're happy about that. Sacramental. Um, those relationships matter. Um, singing together is really important. I miss that. I can't wait for that. I miss yeah. that too. Yeah. And then, but also in the same breath, parents who have had to do a lot more praying with their family, mm-hmm. continuing to pray, and um, and and people who, because of work schedules, are are learning how to do education, um, Christian formation on Mondays through a podcast or a YouTube video. So that's what I would like to see going forward. I think that's what we are going to see going forward is this multi-site uh, approach, digital, in-person. Um, and that my, my hope, my real hope is that both would flourish, mm. that we wouldn't just say, oh, we're going to simply be a digital community now. No, I think we're going to be hungry for singing together, hungry for gathering together, but I also think we're going to carry a new appreciation for for digital formation and formation that we can do away from the building. Mm. Well said. Dr. Elton? Uh, I think of it in two expressions. One is I feel like leadership of ministry is going to be decentralized. Yeah. Because we those of us that sit in the pews have gotten lazy or or maybe love the leadership we have and feel, feel like we can never be that. And so we, we, it's so easy to be passive. And in this time, you can't be passive. I've had to up my game on my devotions. I've had to think differently about how does how do I continue to have that energy that the gathering community used to provide for me when I can't gather. So at that sense of ownership, that sense of, of um, kind of responsibility, not only for myself, but as you said, Russ, my family or for the people in my sphere, right? My small group, whatever that is, that people step into leading kind of the aspects of faith and have practices to do that. So I think that's one thing that I see The other thing that I hope for, and I actually think that this could happen, is that in the midst of all the brokenness in the world and all the things that are being exposed, they're going to look back and say, who are the people that went into those and helped restore or did reconciliation? Mm. And it's people of faith. Yeah, That's going to be the common denominator. And not for our own um, patting on the backs or our own glory but because that's what God has called us to do. And it's part of what God says, this is abundant living. 
Yeah. Is you find those in need and you go and you serve with them. You step, sit alongside people. You're aware of the vulnerable and you wonder, God, what am I called to do in that time? Yeah. Well said. Well said. Thanks to both of you for that. Let's move into our our uh, mic drop moments. What What is it that we've learned? <laughs> it really is going to be hard to summarize this, but mm-hmm. let's try to be brief. Uh, what What is it that we've learned today from this conversation? What are the mic drop moments, the revelations, uh, Emily? Yeah. Well, I think to somewhat summarize a lot of this, Terry, you mentioned it as the agility of the church, mm-hmm. and Russ talked about how it's actually surprising that we've done uh, pretty well, not just hope, but all yeah. churches have. Yeah. And here at Hope, we have a, a core value that we worship God, not tradition. And boy, am I thankful because <laughs> we'd be in trouble if we did yeah. uh, want to hold tight to things. But I think it is so exciting to think about the future and to think how we have kind of pivoted in different ways and what good is going to come from that. I'm excited to talk more about VBS, and I think good is going to come from families doing those things together and all of these other ways that churches are doing that. Thanks, Emily. Well said. Terry? Um, I'm, I'm coming away with the reminder that our hope is not in what we do. Mm. Our hope, just as, in, as we started in the book of Revelation, our hope is that this is God's church, and we are called to listen and join into what God is already doing. And there's all kinds of ways we talked about the Spirit's activity of listening. For me, that's the piece of, that I'm going away with today. Thanks, Terry. Uh, Russ. Yeah, and Terry reminded me, I really appreciated that call that leadership has been decentralized. It's 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 leaving the church and it's being spread out into our homes. And just that great reminder of how to, for as a pastor, how can I help equip those homes mm-hmm. so that they're doing that wonderful, beautiful mm-hmm. work of sharing the gospel within their spheres of influence, family, mm-hmm. friends, homes. So that was just a really great takeaway for me. Yeah, th- those things are all true for me too. What I learned today, what really stands out uh, among a lot of things, is uh, it, it, part of it is more of a general feeling that the students who get to sit down in your classrooms or um, come into the ministries that you lead at Grandview University as campus pastor um, there, Russ, are really blessed. Mm. Uh, you guys have a heart for um, Jesus, and you also bring some intellectual depth and truth to it that is such a gift to um, to those students. So more power to you. Thank you. And thanks for bringing some of that light to all of us today, too. We'd love yeah. to have you back to talk about all sorts of other things in the future. I, ha- I, I get the feeling in this conversation that we're just scratching the surface and it, there's so much more to explore. This happens every time I sit down to talk to either one of you guys. Um, as as uh, as you both know, those yeah. meetings tend to go long, and usually, usually uh, when we do, my um, my wonderful assistant has to knock on the door of my office and say, "Your next appointment is waiting, so uh, you need to move these people out." So thank yep. you for that. But uh, Terry, you talked about disruptions. You talked about how important it is that the church yeah. is what we do out there, not just when we gather together. Russ, you talked about your hope at the end there for what your vision for the church would be two, three, five years down the road of being healthy and vibrant as a gathering space, but also healthy and vibrant in our homes and in our daily lives, and that we would continue to pray, we would continue to do the things that we've learned how to do. And you also touched on something that I will take away from this for a long time, which is the hope that we have in seeing the Holy Spirit continue to call young people 
to be leaders in the church and to, to raise them up. We really wring our hands too much uh, in the church. We, we sweat too much and, and get nervous and, and talk about the sky falling too much because God is still in charge and God's got this. And God's got this whole season of uncertainty too, which is where this conversation started. And so I guess we'll, we'll bring it back there uh, to close too. Terry, you mentioned a book. Um, that you just finished writing. Uh, what is that book and where can people find it and who's it for? It's called Journeying in the Wilderness, Forming Faith in the 21st Century. And it's for church leaders, lay and uh, ordained or, or staff that want to really think about how to lead faith formation in literally a disruptive moment. I wrote it before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of comparing forming faith today, like getting off road and kind of being in the wilderness. So sounds like it's a, a good time. Yeah. And I just, I just started reading it yesterday yeah. and I can't tell you, it's a great book. I was like, wow, she's prophetic. So <laughs> wonderful read. Amen. And uh, name of your book again, Russ. Power and Purpose, the Book of Revelation for today. Excellent. Well, that's awesome. Thank you both again for joining us today. Thanks to all of you, too, uh, for being with us. Emily, as always, thank you for your insight and and bringing balance to the conversation (laughs) that if you weren't here, we would not have. There's no doubt about it. Thanks to the New Pew studio crew who make this all possible and get it going without a glitch. Uh, We really appreciate you guys, Uh, Brendan Pugh and Chris New. Uh, God bless you all. Keep the faith. Uh, the sky is not falling. Uh, God is, is still in charge of this church, the whole church, and we're going to be just fine uh, because of that. That is perhaps the biggest mic drop, drop moment for all of us in this is that, you know, there are moments when I'm alone uh, and I have time to stew and think about these things, I worry. I worry about, I worry about church. I worry about future. I worry about all sorts of things. And then when we get into a conversation like this, I'm reminded of who's in charge. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind and keep the faith, and we'll see you again next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. We would invite you on whatever app you are on to rate and review us to help get the word out. And in the meantime, if you can join us for worship, we would love to have you. We'll see you there. I'm the typical